This is another episode of the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. I don't know why I shared it like that, but I wanted to. You know what's really funny? I think at the very beginning of most of our podcasts, we do something a little strange and then we say, I don't know why. That's crazy that I just did that. So if you're binging these and this is the third or fourth, 500th time that you've heard us say, I don't know why. All right. We don't need a reason, clearly. We just do it. Let's let him in on the secret. What's the secret? The secret is what we don't want, what we're trying to do, what we're trying to avoid is from you being able to hit play on everyone and it's sounding the exact <laughs> same in the first five seconds. <laughs> Which it does because of the music. Yes, there is that. There is that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I guess I Love Lucy started the same every, every oh, week. True. So, you know. I can't believe you haven't turned my microphone off yet. I was just really waiting to see how long you would do it. And uh, you have no shame. I thought we had established that. Get go. This podcast started over five years ago, and we have we've found it today. That is not great music, the wit I just performed. Now, the person who composed that, I'm sure they are wonderful. I would like to share some great music. Um, my son plays the piano, and on Saturdays, I spend a lot of time driving him to and fro different rehearsals, um, his piano lesson with his teacher— his favorite composer is a man named Scriabin. This is one of his pieces. This is composed by, again, Scriabin. It was very lovely. It was. And Saturday, he shares this piece, and that's what he usually does, is try to introduce me to new classical music. Because, quite frankly, unless he does, I'm going to be listening to the Lucille Ball theme song, apparently. Yeah, apparently. That's what I'm be doing. Yes. Um, I would like to introduce you to another song. Okay. Yeah, that's enough of that. I'm creeped out. That's enough of that. Okay. It is a creepy song. In fact, it was probably one of the most haunting songs that Scriabin, same composer, wrote. And I think when he wrote it, he was envisioning the sun getting closer and closer to earth and burning us all to a crisp. You know, so he literally said that like, yeah, it was lighthearted, you know, but I do believe he had a lot of mental health issues Mm -hmm. in his life. And um, when my son shared the first piece that we heard, which was clearly melodically pleasing, (laughs) it's easier to drive to songs like that than it is to the latter, which makes me want to swerve off the road into a ditch. One made me feel like a nice spring day. The other made me feel like when my wife is mad at me. Yes. So I was surprised when he shared, oh, this beautiful piece we just heard, believe it or not, that's Scriabin. And I said, that doesn't sound like any of the pieces you've shared with me before. And he said, well, it's one of his earlier works. I thought that was very interesting. Okay. Which one was the early? The pretty one. Okay. The scary one was later in life. And I said, Sammy, this is strange that it was later in life and this pretty one was earlier. He said, you know, it's interesting. He really was very scrutinous of his earlier works, his prettier works. It's very, oh, I don't think it was good. 
And, you know, we're our own worst critics anyway, but he really didn't like his early works. Hmm. And I told him, I said, here's what I think. The older we get in life anyway, and it sounds like that this man, there were adjustments that maybe needed to be made in his life because there was some chemical imbalance issues there. So he's probably dealing with mental anguish anyway. I mean, seriously, dreaming up a composition where the earth is too close to the sun and we all die doesn't sound like a, a springtime meadow place to be in. Right. So I said that when we get older, I think we can go one of two ways. We can grow in grace or we can become more cynical. We can be more like Jesus or we can be the old curmudgeon person. Get off my lawn. Yeah. And honestly, on any given day, I could be <laughs> emulating both. If I'm being completely honest, there are, are better moments in my life than others. Um, I just thought that's, that's really interesting. A scripture also talks about what is in you will come out of you, sure. what's in your heart. Sure. And so you're hearing some of this, and it doesn't mean that there's not room for writing songs of anguish when you are in an anguished place. In fact, I think most artists would say, what a great outlet for them to be able to share pain by painting by writing music or whatever way it is, I, I very therapeutic. Uh, but I think it's interesting, though, that he would scrutinize more so the beauty of his earlier works, which probably has more mass appeal. Right. Yeah. You know, he sounds a little bit like a hipster. You know, yeah. oh, it's too mainstream. You know, it's <laughs> like comparing if you were to go in and see, like, I don't know, a gallery of Rembrandt work or uh, Monet, something. Just clearly everybody is going to, to behold this as beautiful, something that, oh, I can appreciate this. And then you go into more of a modern art type of a gallery and you may have some learned appreciation for that or you're drawn to that. That's great. It's not necessarily a mass appeal type mm -hmm. situation. That's why there's such a thing as hotel art, you know, it's like a, a meadow and there's a hound with a man on a horse. It, it uh, That makes me think about that time that somebody <laughs> left a pile of trash Oh. In, in a modern museum yes. on purpose. Yes. And sure enough, they blocked it off and made it an exhibit because somebody thought this, oh. oh, this is an art piece. Oops. I've heard that. Yeah, that, was, that literally happened. Yeah. Oh my goodness. No, no it, it, makes me, it makes me think uh, about a, a couple of different ways. And, um, and one is uh, what we were talking about our small group the other night that it really, at a certain point, it doesn't matter your age when it comes to your maturity. That's true. We all grow up and we put aside immature things uh, to a degree. You know, we're not impressed with things that a five-year-old is necessarily impressed with. Uh, but at a certain point, you find people you find people in their 30s that are incredibly mature because of their uh, spiritual maturity oftentimes. And then you, you find incredibly selfish people at age 70 and 80. Mm -hmm. And it makes me think about a, a person that I don't believe, I don't believe was a Christ follower. I, I never heard that about him. A former coworker of my wife's years ago, and he had been married four times and was in the middle, I think of another divorce. It was one of those things. He's going to be right. That's how he was at work. Okay. Right? He's going to be right. He's going to tell his new wife that. If she doesn't like it, it'll tell his next wife that. It, yeah. was, it was that type of thing. Yeah. And you really see where, when you talk about you can go towards cynicism or you can go towards the light, really. Yeah. And um, <laughs> you just reminded me, Jurassic Park, Dr. Ian Malcolm, played beautifully by Jeff Goldblum. Mm -hmm. And he says, oh yeah, I'm always looking for the future X 
Mrs. Malcolm. <laughs> <laughs> the future ex. Talk about cynical. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You know, and and um, and I guess I'll go to this first. What happens when somebody that you loved and respected and trusted heads towards cynicism hmm. or heads towards unbelief? Yeah. And we were talking about the story with uh, Marie Kondo. This is just kind of a fun one. And I think she's in the right on this one. Uh, but Marie Kondo, uh, I don't even remember the name of the show. Was it called Tidying Up with Marie Kondo? I don't remember. I just remember her saying, if it brings you joy when you're going through and trying to like declutter your house, mm-hmm. the way to be able to edit your lifestyle is take the object in your hands. Does it still bring you joy? If it sparks joy. Then keep it. If it doesn't, then it's time it. to lose it. Uh-huh. And she recently came out and said that with kids, she really doesn't live that lifestyle anymore. She has a bit of a messy, cluttery home is what she alluded to. And people don't know what to think because you're our hero. You're the person that taught me this way of life. Yeah. I think you know, she's totally in the right. It's, it's, that's real, right? That's real. Your home gets messy and cluttery at times. Yeah. Uh, but I think the principle in it is People that followed her now don't know what to think, even though this way of life may work for them. And it's the same with faith, that if somebody, a pastor or a parent, Mm -hmm. helps me find Jesus and then they stop living like it, they have a midlife crisis. You know, you've heard the stories of parents that get divorced when the kids are in college or adults and, and my gosh, what was this whole thing a sham, you yeah, know? Yeah. Uh, or or people even leaving the faith totally, which is a culture that we live in. Pastors even that leave and are now atheists and have social media presence on it. And that shouldn't shake me. No. It does. It would really freak me out. Because if, you're a human being. I'm a human being. And and if there's there's certain people I can think of, you may be as, as well, that if they became an atheist today, I would be freaked out. Yeah. But it shouldn't shake my faith because if if what I believe is true, just like the Marie Kondo fans, that they believe this way of life is true uh, or is beneficial in, in their case, uh, I found the truth about Jesus and I, I shouldn't be, you know, of course it would bother me, but I shouldn't be putting these people on a pedestal anyway. I, I, hate, I hate the situation that happened. Was it a couple of years ago with Ravi Zacharias? Oh yeah. Oh, that's a big one. That's a big one, so right? Here's this gentleman that I have heard podcast form or sermon, or we would hear it quite often on a radio station I used to work for. Um, and he spoke so profoundly over many subjects and people gleaned so much uh, from listening to this gentleman speak truth about Jesus Christ and were drawn to these sermons. And then we, we find out later, years later, that this man was not living that truth out. Right. And it was a horrific situation, many involved. And uh, we don't have to get into those details. But if we elevate people to positions of grandeur, which we commonly do, we have celebrities. I mean, we put them up on these pedestals, whether we're aware of it or not. Do you hear a bird in here? What is that? There's a bird or something in here. It's a squeak. Just, okay, stop talking. Okay. Started wiggling my chair, thinking it was maybe my chair. Okay, okay. breathe. Do you have a nose whistle? <sighs> Is it you? Now you breathe. <laughs> All right, getting back to the subject. <laughs> we keep hearing a whistling. If you hear that metallic squeak. <laughs> Okay, the point is, is that we put people in positions, which first of all, we should never do. It's unfair. 
to even like put expectations on my spouse, you know, is unfair. Um, but God is the only one who says in his word, I will never fail you. Yeah. Even if your parents abandon you, yeah. I never will fail you. He's the only one who deserves that elevated position. And so, yes, there are going to be people that disappoint us, but please, Lord, help us to to put them in positions of, yes, they have had influence and impact on my life, but they are not God. Mm -hmm. They will not impact my faith because my faith is in Jesus. We can follow people on social media, but Jesus beckons us to follow him for all time. So uh, we have to kind of change the perspective about that. No, stuff. My faith is my faith. You know, my parents' faith shouldn't be. And we have a lot of people that think that. Well, well I'm a Christian because my parents are. It may even start out that way a little bit. And it's not that there's not authenticity when I was a little girl and I asked Jesus into my life because I wanted him in my life. However, I saw modeled before me two people who hugely loved Jesus and loved praising him. And I wanted a piece of that. So there comes a t- point in time, I think, especially if you've had that modeled for you, that yes, you will branch off at one point and your faith will become your own. But yeah, you might be emulating their faith for a little bit doesn't mean that it's not sincere. No, no, no. I'm not saying that. I, I'm, I'm just saying when we are adults yeah. and all of a sudden somebody in my life that is a hero, a, a person I respect greatly falls off, I shouldn't, I don't have to go with them yeah. because I recognize that Jesus is active in my life because it, it's my own faith. Um, the other thing that Scraven <sighs> reminded me about though. Scraven. That really... Reminds me of the thing that I said to some high school students years ago that I really, really hope they're taking to heart now. Because here's a man that is critical of his earlier work. He knew it was real at the time, but he gets to a a cynical place, unbelieving place maybe even later, where he's like, oh, that was hogwash and garbage. And I told these kids when they were seniors in high school, right after their emotional youth camp, and I love working with students, but I'm I'm a little hot and cold on youth camps just because, man, there's so much emotion there. And I wouldn't stop doing them. I'm just saying there's so much emotion there. Mm-hmm. And then it goes away. The emotion does. Mm-hmm. And then it's just kind of back to life in another month. And it was that way for me when I was growing up. But, but what I told them right after that, I said, remember what you just experienced? And it was real. You know, a lot of them were talking yeah. about encounters with God. And in five years... You're going to be tempted in one way or another. Oh, I was just silly. I was in high school and I got all emotional and, you know, God's not real, you know. And, yeah. and and that's that's a, we look back at our lives of some of the mountaintop moments and we know what's so real then. And we get down the road later and go, oh, I was silly. I think because maybe there are other things that sometimes spark almost the same feeling, which may be. I don't know the word for uh, unvalidates. Is that the right? Unvalidates what we felt was real. So the serotonin levels, Mm -hmm. endorphins, all those things in your body that are chemistry, those are very real levels in your system. I believe God is in charge of all of those things. I think that there is a major difference between my serotonin levels going up because I get excited about eating ice cream though and having an encounter where my spirit has been impacted. Mm-hmm. Uh, because one mm-hmm. feels me, I feel left, I feel satisfied. I'm satisfied. Mm-hmm. 
and I grow from that. And the other one is like, let's be honest, we eat a big bowl of ice cream out. I grow from that. I grow quite from that physically and feel guilty. <laughs> so, <laughs> Great shame the next day. But yes. I understand why some people, because they'll they'll read, especially you know, comments from people in the comments section about, well, this is physically and scientifically what you're experiencing. I don't deny that we are experiencing things in the physical science world. We are, but God created science and he created you and me so that we would have an appreciation for our feelings. So we would have an appreciation for things that are comfortable and feel nice. You know, it's it all works together. And mm-hmm. so for whatever reason, though, we don't give that value anymore. Yeah. Oh, because it's science. Well, <laughs> who made science? Yeah, sure, sure. God made science. It's just, and it's not even youth, you know, all necessarily, but it's just, it's, I think it's that it's that you get down the road and you go, oh, that was shallow and pedantic is what the, mm. the, the feeling can be. I was, I don't know what I was thinking. And, and it's like, man, we really discredit like this individual mm-hmm. discredited what a rich time that he made something beautiful and people recognized and people it. People recognize it. So I'm going to be, I'm going to out myself. I love to paint in my mom's house. There are plates that I, when I wanted to do something special for her and didn't really have a whole lot of money, I was like, well, I can make gifts. So I painted her grandchildren's portraits on these plates and she has them in these plate holders. I hate those paintings. Mm-hmm. I hate them. Why? I've improved since then. Sure. My mom holds on to that, just like probably refrigerator art. She holds on to those plates. She thinks they're wonderful. Yeah. They're amazing. Yeah. Why do I, I like don't want to recognize the value she's placed on them and say for what they are, even though they're not my favorite, I can appreciate them on this level. You know, there's, there's maturity in that too. <laughs> it really reminds me of Seinfeld where he, uh, has an autograph for somebody okay. and he writes a cheesy joke. Oh. And he, he said, ah, you know, I don't really like what I wrote. Let me have that back. I and love she goes, what you wrote. No, I like what you wrote. I'm keeping it. And yeah. they fight over it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's ego in there too. And we have to dismiss ego. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there's that. So yeah, clearly Scriabin, he probably thought, oh, well, this is just candy music. This is easy to compose. But I think we have to remember if God has given us a gift to never... Um, what are the, I'm struggling with words today. The stages and the, and the seasons of life that we go through, why am I looking back on them and thinking less of myself? Mm. I think we do that on any occasion. It has nothing to do with art. We look back at that season of life and think, oh, what, it, like you said, what, what a fool I was. I was so immature, yes. Don't let people look down on you when you are young, scripture says. Maybe not even you. Yeah. Don't even look down on you. That's good. So there was one other little thing I want to bring up, and I think it's a real easy in. I can't stand a certain phrase, and perhaps it means something different to you than it does to me. Is this a trigger warning? Well, it was until I watched a a documentary. Okay. Perhaps you've heard the phrase, this is my truth. Oh, here we go. And if you're listening and you're like, oh, I like that phrase, then perhaps you share a different perspective on it than I do. And I was watching a documentary the other day and it it helped me try to see that phrase from a different place. And instead of getting triggered, I listened to what it meant to this individual. So 
there was this woman who was victimized. These are factual things that took place in her life. She was assaulted and her perspective in sharing the feelings that went along with that assault. She shared these things along with the evidence on the stand in a courtroom situation. And the lawyer said she shared her truth. And I thought, huh, okay. Her truth in this case was also inclusive of evidence. And I think that's probably the key in sharing our truth is like, okay, I would like to share, for the most part, I think most people mean their perspective. Well, this is my perspective. You hear about people identifying um, as a cat. I've heard that one lately. Sure. I feel like I'm a cat. And it's like, okay, those are your feelings. Does it land anywhere on facts? Because you you don't look like a cat. You don't meow like a cat. Well, maybe they do. But you know what? If it looks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. In most cases nowadays, like people are claiming that they feel these things. Yeah. But yeah. does it land on, is there evidence for what you're saying? And so I think that's, it was helpful to at least entertain the conversation where this statement that's being kind of thrown around in culture it lands in my ears weird because I'm thinking, first of all, what my opinion is about anything. It's not that it I, I don't have the right to have an opinion or that it's invalid. Uh, there's the word invalid. Yeah. <sighs> um, Glad you didn't invalidate yourself. <laughs> uh, at the end of the day, what does Jesus say about it? Because ultimately he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That That is the basis for our faith. He is the be all and the end all. He is God. He's the son of God. And um, that's kind of where you have to go with that. But I, I was really drawn to also realizing I am quick to shut off a conversation perhaps with others because that lands in my heart. I may not say anything on the outside like, nope, not gonna listen to you because you said my truth. Mm -hmm. No, but like I'll stop listening and I'll start trying to devise a I don't know, an argument or something, instead of just listening, where are they coming from? For her, when she's sharing her truth, she's also sharing it in this courtroom setting where she shares this thing that actually happened to her. Okay, so it doesn't always necessarily mean just your perspective. It could mean dot, dot, dot. Well, I think it's important to recognize the terms uh, of any conversation that you're having and what people mean by them. And I'll give you two examples. One's really, you know, funny, but but serious. And the other one is uh, talking about faith with other people. Uh, in We live in Texas. and Is this the one that's funny and serious? Yes. It's very serious. I feel like you're being sarcastic. In Texas, barbecue means something. <laughs> no, this is serious. It's okay. a fact. <laughs> when you use that word, people have an expectation. Deliciousness. Yes, but it means specifically smoked something. Brisket, steak, pulled pork. When you go to, and I would throw steak actually in this category, when you go into other states, oh. <coughs> northern states, they use the term barbecue and they mean hamburgers and hot dogs. And you think steak is barbecue too? No, I don't think it's barbecue. You, you think it's grilled? No, if you, okay. you can barbecue anything. Okay, let me throw that out there. Okay. But barbecue is indirect heat. Okay. And when people that throw hamburgers and hot dogs on the grill real quick in 
direct open flame. Yeah. And when you're, but the really the, the biggest issue is you're from Texas, you go up there and you, somebody says barbecue and you're like, hot dog. And they're like, literally. And you're like, oh, didn't know you meant That's that. different than what I thought it was it, It's be. important to just know terms, yeah. right? What do you mean by the word barbecue? So that maybe you don't have certain expectations to go along with those terms. Exactly. Yeah. And I have had many conversations with people of a different faith and- a lot of times it kind of overlaps with Christianity where we're using the same word, mm. but we're meaning two different things. Yeah, You know, you use the word salvation and so do I, but you don't mean what I mean. So it's important before we have the conversation to go, what do you mean by that? I think it's so fantastic what Carter does that he has meals with people of a different faith so that he can have a proper conversation and which is kind of a lost art in today's world where and understandably so it is all about social media it's about um how we communicate using our phones because i mean that's the world we live in and we're we're extraordinarily busy yeah. so being able to have yeah. a sit down meal with people has to be intentional but it does help solve so many issues in terms of getting triggered. Yeah. Or what I, I have now more sympathy for people because I'm looking them in the eyes and realizing realizing I, I've been vilifying this human being who's searching for meaning in their life. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. And And now all of a sudden they're not the devil. They may be following a practice that I think is is it's tricky and i i think the enemy is all about it one one good conclusion yeah. uh, sorry conclusion that's the word i'm about to say one one good um way of doing it is when they say something that might be outlandish yeah. and this could be with anything but obviously more so we're talking about faith uh when they say something you're like that's crazy a good question to ask instead of saying that that's is crazy yeah. is and how did you come to that conclusion oh because if they're making it up, I mean, first of all, this is great if people make claims against Christianity. And can you say it less, less condescending? Say it, say it again. And how did you come to that conclusion? <laughs> Be like, huh, how, how did you get to that point? Okay. How, did you, something like that. I'm sorry. No, I'm just like, because that, that, it's weird what triggers well, people. But, but. Here, but here's what it is, right? <laughs> Somebody says, Jesus never existed. And you go, how'd you come to that conclusion? No, I'd punch him in the face. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. I didn't say conclusion right. And you're punching people in the face. Um, but but you simply, and that's what they do in big, you know, these uh, theological debates, you know, an atheist versus a Christian on right. a stage and everybody's dressed up for this, you know, well, how did you come to that conclusion? And it's a simple uh, thing. Because yeah. then when they say, well, this horrific thing happened in my life and I thought there's no way there can be a God, all of a sudden now you have more sympathy yeah, for them. and more right? story. Yeah, and more story. Yeah, so. no, that's a really good way to, oh my goodness, you ever wake up, usually you have a mouth full of words and none of them are coming to it. What am I trying to say? You, you have a lot of words that just apparently aren't the right ones. <laughs> To disvalidate. No, oh not. my gosh. No, I'm, I'm making fun of myself earlier, but no, you basically are, are putting. <laughs> We're not supposed to make fun of ourselves from earlier. What did we learn from Scriabin? <laughs> not to compose a song about the <laughs> world burning to a crisp. <laughs> I mean, but there's the soundtrack for the next Left Behind. It's uh, <laughs> right there. Uh, so, no, but you de-elevate. 
maybe that's what I'm thinking. De-escalate. Wow. I want to de-escalate those emotions that take me to places that I know make my ears burn and the color in my face change. And how do I do that? By listening to people, by not having my next sentence prepared, by allowing the Holy Spirit to to speak through me when it's the right time. It's important to, especially if you're going to have these conversations to have some tools in your tool belt, just like if you're going to a job to fix somebody's house, you better have tools with you, right? But when you get there, you may not know which one to use until you see what's broken. And so just kind of assessing the situation and sitting back and listening, it's so important in order for conversation to take place. And I honestly feel in order for conversion to take place. If we want to be instrumental in helping people see the light of Jesus, they're going to have difficulty seeing it if all we're seeing is red. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Uh, okay, so my my thing this week is from a, a car wash marquee. Um, <laughs> I love it. And they, uh, they are clearly Christians and a bit cheesy at times, a bit awesome at times. Okay. Um, they, it's really random. They make taco burgers that are outstanding and they sell them in the car wash. That's so cool. It's very random. It's a very random assortment of things going on. <laughs> I, I love that they don't apologize for it. We're no, going to be don't. cheesy Christians that serve great food while you're getting your car wash. That's right. That's right. And so- um, Way to go. So uh, one they had is, uh, uh, I, they, had a, they have it usually during Christmas time every year. Uh, wise men bring good gifts. <laughs> so, uh, a shout out to all the husbands, right? So that, that stuff's funny. They had this one and I rolled my eyes at first and then I thought about it. I go, I think there's actually something here. If you're a gambling person, go all in with Jesus. <laughs> no, that's so good. That's <laughs> what the sign said. Have you ever gambled, by the way? Um. Well, yeah, I bought like one lottery ticket, two lottery tickets in okay. my life. Um, yeah. I had a lot of friends and obviously we're probably entering a controversial subject. Oh, sure. sure. It, it doesn't seem like there's anything in the Bible that uh, prohibits it exclusively, uh, but it's not a smart way of living in general. And of course, if you're right. addicted to it, it's bad. But I had a lot of friends when they turned 18 and I was a junior and they were seniors, they wanted to go to the casino so bad. And I just never really saw the draw. Sure. It's very smoky. And I have more fun with actual video games than slot machines. And I've never been good at cards. So I, I get what you're saying. And I don't want to take a, a a silly tone with something that could be very serious, especially dealing with addiction yeah. and things like that. Oh, it's life damaging for some. It, yes, it, it is. It absolutely can be. But in everyday circumstances, we do gamble. We absolutely do. We get in the car. We get behind the wheel. Sure. Yeah. Um, we go to a restaurant where it looks sketchy and we order something that we've never ordered before. And it's a gamble. <laughs> Whether we're... We're walking away feeling good in our stomach afterwards. Who knows? Well, you're taking a risk. You're taking a risk. So I like their sign because if you're going to gamble, wouldn't you? Let's let's just use the restaurant example. You go to Yelp. Before you walk into the restaurant, what are the reviews? What's the evidence? What does it look like inside the restaurant? Take these things into account and then make the decision. If you think about the risk factor for Jesus, where all the evidence is stacked in his favor, it's like, oh, it's too good to be true kind of a thing. Yeah. But it, it's real. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> there are certain restaurants you go in, and when I've been with my dad, 
<laughs> who gets to be the hangriest person you would ever meet. He is so bubbly and nice. Yeah, he's a really nice guy. You know, but if he's hangry and it's bad customer service, like he's learned to be wise in his later years. We go sit in there. It's a little dirty. There's nobody really in there. And nobody's helped us within the first five minutes. He goes, we better get out of here. This isn't going to be good. <laughs> He's like, he's like protecting them almost from his wrath. Oh. <laughs> so, so, like, so we go somewhere else. He's like, it's not, I'm going to get kicked out of here. Exactly. <laughs> so the evidence shows I better, I better there get out of here. Go. But no, I mean, th there's a risk. And, and I don't want to say that. Um, I don't want to like, I'm not trying to say that shockingly, but it, it just going with the fact that we don't know with 100% certainty because we haven't seen these things. Mm. It means we're taking a bit of a risk to say, I'm all in with Jesus. Because when you do that, and you do that wholeheartedly like the Bible talks about, you know, you not only believe, but you're you're calling his name and and, and you're saying, I, I, I believe that it, it actually changes my life. You know, that's the degree of belief that we're called to. Um then you are excluding mm. other ways. Yeah, you are. You are taking a risk that that Islam, uh, that Buddhism, that atheism is not true. You you are risking that I'm going all in here. So if I die, I guess there's not really much of a risk with atheism, but if I die and it's somebody else up there, then I have doomed myself. I think God welcomes those kinds of questions too and those types of journeys in in uh, I want to know what they believe I want to know what this group of people believes what is it that the Quran says how does this differ we've heard from people that have shared their parents had them go because one parent was Muslim the other was Christian which I I don't even want to get into the story of how that would work out that would be a very difficult marriage from the get-go yeah um but they would attend on Saturday, I think the mosque to classes and then on Sunday go to church. And it could have been the other way around. The point being is that he said, my sister and I became Christians and they had evidence obviously from both classes and the way that they participated. So I thought that was fascinating. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. And then he goes on to share those who seek me will find me mm -hmm. wherever you see. If you are literally on an expedition for truth, he is what you will find when you truly seek. I think that's that's so powerful. And as for evidence, you know, th that's what faith is all about, whether we have seen or not. There's a, you know, an arm's long list of scriptures that talk about blessed are those who have believed and yet have not seen what he says to Thomas. But I also was watching this movie the other day, The Beautiful Mind with Russell Crowe. And he's very analytical. Numbers was his thing. And he's talking to Jennifer Conley, his soon-to-be wife, and he's trying to figure out, you know, should we take this risk, this love thing? Is this Have we got enough stacked up in our favor in terms for this to work, basically? And she asks him just very fundamental questions. Uh, how large is the universe? Well, it's infinite. Well, how do you know? Because I just, well, I mean, there's never been any discovery of it ending. Okay. And so like these little truths that you see along the way, even in science, it science does support the fact that there's a greater being. And, and just that you have to take on faith. When I push myself up this chair, 
that I'm actually going to stand. And if I let myself fall, gravity will take over and I will go boom. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's, I take it on faith because it's why it just is. (laughs) So some of this is like, it is risky, but at the same time, some of it's just common sense too. Well, I think that's the, those my two things is, Jesus says, uh, blessed are those who believe, but have not seen. Right. And so uh, recognizing the, the risk, I guess that we, we haven't seen it for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I wanted to certainly address that. Um, cause I'm certainly not trying to be disrespectful when we're all, probably most of us listening to this podcast are going, well, duh, it's the right way. Well, yeah, sure. I totally agree. Sure. Um, but the fact that we, he recognizes the fact that it's not just given to us, mm-hmm. That, that there is a faith element. That's really good. But like you said, when we explore truth, what you will find is that facts back up what the Bible claims. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, I, I really like- That's liked, really good. I really like that that humorous sign if you're a gambling person, go all in with Jesus. <laughs> and when you, I think when you see the facts, you're like, okay, it's not really that much of a risk. Uh, but just the fact that I think Jesus himself said that, that we living in this current day, he recognized yeah. how difficult that might be when we haven't seen it with our own eyes. And I really like how you conditioned the conversation that I was just sharing. It was coming out probably very callous. If you are listening and you're not a believer, it's like, well, the evidence is stacked in his favor. Everybody knows that. No, I I never want to come across that way because I always want the door to conversation to stay open. Uh, and I'll never forget this guy I went to college with. He was very offended, saw this sign by the side of a house in a neighborhood, and he shared it with me because he knew I was a Christian. He was not. And it said something like, um, smart people bet on Jesus or something like that. You know, okay. something similar. Another gambling reference. <laughs> <laughs> something similar, but alluding to the fact you're stupid if you don't believe what I believe. And it offended him. And I thought, well, because I would read that as a Christian and probably chuckle and say, oh, that's, that's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. But not looking at it from the stance of somebody that I'm not standing in the same shoes as them, you know, I'd be like, oh. And I said, you know, Wyatt, that, you know, I never want you to feel that way. No, it's, that's the opposite of how we want to feel. So yeah, remembering that once we have grabbed hold of his truth. All right, now how do I share it in love? Sure, sure, yeah. Well, did you figure out, move your chair. I think it might be the chair. Like every time I move it, wait, squeak. Move your headphones or shake your head. You're making me do the hokey pokey over here. <gasps> Is it me? I heard. Oh, is it you? It's your chair. It's the chair. Ma'am. Okay. And if you can't hear it on the microphone, we sound like crazy. Crazy. <laughs> Speaking of which, to play us out today. No. <laughs> now, kids, wasn't that lovely? But you don't have to take my word for it. Don't forget your sunscreen. <laughs> <in that one. laughs> 